are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Father, we praise you. Lord, I praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, I praise you because your works are marvelous. Father, I praise you, Lord, because in the depths of our mother's womb, Lord, you created us. You knit us together for such a time as this. So, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us this weekend? Lord, we want an encounter with you because you're real. Lord, you're real. So, Jesus, we look to you with faith, and we look to you with hope, and we look to you with expectation. God, we set aside our weekend for you. We've done our part now. Lord, do your part. Speak to our hearts. Give us the humility to receive it. Give us ears to hear your voice. Give us eyes to see what you're doing all around us. May we leave here different than the way that we came. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you, uh, well, have your seated. Well done. <laughs> it was prophetic. You already knew what you had to do. Well done, well done. Uh, welcome. Welcome to Advance. Great to have you here. I'm so excited. It's my first one, and so it feels like it's Christmas right now in my heart. It feels really good. Uh, my name's Adam Browett. I'm from um, Vancouver Island. Can I take that from you? Great. Woo! That's exciting. I didn't grow up in a church home. I'm going to give you a little history of me as I get set up here. Um, I didn't grow up in a church home. Um, my high school sweetheart led me to the Lord when I was in grade 11, and uh, it was a really beautiful thing. I, I later on married that high school sweetheart, and it's been good. We've been together for 19 years. Wow. Wow. Um, sometimes I feel like I was the worst young adults pastor because I could never identify to what it felt like to be a young adult and looking for love um, because I've, I met Shandy when I was 16. And so um, I don't know. I don't know what you're feeling, but I know how hard it can be. I've heard. I've heard. And so I'm praying with you. But, um, but, but so I met Shandy. I, I became a Christian right away. Um, I wanted to be a, a teacher. God had different plans. And uh, I ended up going to school to become a pastor. There is where I met your beloved Travis Halonia. And uh, I love him very much. He's a great dear friend, and I so respect you. You know, this guy, we're, we're sharing a room, sort of. I'm on one side. He's on the other side. We have a bathroom with a kitchen table and chairs between us, which is really weird, in the bathroom. But uh, I'm sitting there, and, and he wouldn't want me to tell you this, but I heard it. I heard it. He's in the shower, and here's this guy praying in tongues, calling on fire from God, um, praying for you guys. And, like, this guy can't even shower without praying for you. Like, he is the real deal. Love you tons. Thanks for inviting me here. I'm so glad to be here. I'm a very big friend of Resurgence, and I love what you guys are doing. Um, I met him in school. My mom got diagnosed with MS, and then I left Vanguard um, early before I graduated um, to go back and, and, and hang out with her. Um, in that process, God is very faithful and very divine and very wonderful. And he had a plot twist in my story. And uh, I was able to get hired on at the very church that I got saved in as the youth pastor. And so I, I, I dropped out of Bible school and became a pastor. Hello. And... Uh, <laughs> went there. And, um, and so they pastored there for five years. While I was there, it was awesome. We saw God do some amazing things. Started a not-for-profit in a high school called Lifeline Harewood, where we uh, met um, just 
people's practical needs. Um, students who were, um, there was a poorer neighborhood, um, kids who had uh, problems with uh, finding food at home. So we developed a program called the Locker Stalker Program. It kind of sounds creepy now that I think about it, but at the time it sounded really awesome. And uh, what we would do is um, nobody wants to be labeled as the poor kid. And so what we would do is we would take backpacks and they would come to us during the lunch day. We had a, we released a classroom during the school. Like it was amazing. So God, we, we were able in Nanaimo, British Columbia to partner with the school district and have lease a classroom from the school district as a church. And we were in there and what students would do is they'd come to us and they would give us their locker combination. We would fill their food full of our back, a backpack that we had full of non-perishables and during the class they would put it in there so that nobody would know. They'd just go home. No one would be the wiser and they have a backpack full of food. Really cool. We weren't allowed to preach the gospel there. Um, and so God used different ways for us to be able to reach people by inviting. We used, we leveraged Facebook like, like crazy. We saw a hundred people get saved um, through that little ministry in a small little church in, in, in Nanaimo, British Columbia. It was awesome. Um, and God did some cool things. From there, I got, I got called to Edmonton. I moved to Edmonton, and it was awesome. I loved being at Weka. We were there for seven years. Um, God did some really exciting things while we were there. Um, we started the, uh, the chapel at West Edmonton Mall, Weka Chapel, and uh, God did some really cool things. Um, but in that process, God led us back to um, the island. Oh, I left out some pretty major things. Um, I worked as a correctional chaplain for a while. We became foster parents and adopted a child while we were in Edmonton, and it's awesome. His name's Thomas, and he's beautiful. And uh, then we moved back to Victoria, and God led us there. And that's where we are now. Um, we've been there for a year and a half. God has been doing some really cool stuff. Like anybody who says that the church is dying and it's going out of style and people aren't interested, they're, they're dumb. It's not true. They're blind. Um, I moved there in our church since moving there, and this has nothing to do with me. I just happened to jump in in the right season. And uh, God is exploding in there. We've seen our church has grown by over 400 people in the last 15 months. Um, our children's ministry has grown by 92%. Um, we, we've started a new campus to try and create room for, for people. Um, literally, we just had a conference three weeks ago called Awakening Conference. We had a prayer night before the conference started. And we had 500 people there praying for what God was going to do at the conference. We had random people walking down the street. This guy, full work coveralls, walking down the street. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing? Because we're downtown Victoria. And uh, so we we're blocking off our parking lots. And the guy's like, oh, you have a conference in there? Oh, I'll go. So he comes, gives his heart to the Lord in the conference. Just, just crazy. Paid, paid 50 bucks to go to give his heart to the Lord. What? Um, we, we, we're a downtown church, so we often have homeless people coming in and doing just crazy things. Um, uh, three weeks ago, a homeless man came in and uh, was released from the police station, which is across the street, came over to our church. Um, in the process, bought some drugs. They were bad drugs. Walked into our church between our services, barfed everywhere, and passed out in the middle of our pews, like over the pews, like... <laughs> the worst moment. And, uh, and so, so the police came, obviously, naturally they came. Well, the week after was our conference, right? And so here we have a police officer who comes into our last Sunday morning of the conference, and, um, and he's, he shows up. We're kind of like, oh, what, what's going on? As a police officer walks in there with a like, gun, badge, like, 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 like big deal, right? And he walks in, and uh, we're like, what, what, what's wrong? Is everything okay? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just, just checking up, following up on last week to make sure just in case everything's good. And we're like, okay, that's great. During the service, we do an altar call, 
This guy gets touched by the Lord. He's standing there when we ask, like, raise your hand to give your heart to the Lord. Tears pouring down his face, gun on the side of his waist, hand in their full uniform, hands up. I want to receive Jesus. And it's like, this is real. Like, God is moving. And it's such an exciting thing. And I'm just so thankful um, that, that, that God is real, you know. Um, pastor Andy and Lisa, they're my pastors up at Glad Tidings Church in Victoria. And they send their, their greetings. They're so happy for what God is doing here with Resurgence, Trav, and, and what God's doing here in the city of Edmonton, even though we're in Sylvan Lake, but we love Edmonton. And, uh, uh, but, but like God's so excited about what, um, our, 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 my pastors are so excited about what God's doing here. And, and they've been praying for you. Um, they sent me here. To, to bring their love and uh, hopefully bring the word of the Lord. That's the game plan. And I'm uh, just really excited um, to be here. You didn't hear to come here to hear from me. You came here to hear from God. So we're going to go to the Bible tonight, all right? And we're going to go to the Bible every day because there is a problem in our churches, and it's called biblical illiteracy. And uh, people seem to think that we don't need to read this book anymore because you can just come and hear a pastor talk about it. And that way, that way we don't have to actually read it. But the truth is, this book is amazing, Right, And so I want to tell you a story. Uh, I want to tell you a story that's found in the Bible. I want to tell you a story that actually happened. Like this is a real thing. And sometimes we, we read the Bible and we think to ourselves, there's no way that's a thing. But this story is actually represented three different times in the Gospels. You see it in Matthew, you see it in Mark, and you see it in Luke. And if you don't read your Bible that often, or if you're new to Christianity, it's easy to assume sometimes, because you hear people talk, that the Bible is full of contradictions. And what happens is people say, okay, well, I read the story in Matthew, and then I read the story in Mark, and I read that same story in Luke, and all three of those people are telling the same story, but they're telling it a little bit differently. Therefore, I can't trust the Bible. That's garbage. Let me illustrate to you why. What is your name, sir? Oh, gosh. What, uh, Abiku? You're the first Abiku I've ever met. Pleasure to meet you. That's very nice to meet you. Okay, so your name's Abiku. And uh, what's your name, ma'am? Megan, of course. I actually knew that because there's, like, everyone's named Megan here. Megan and Abiku. Abiku, Megan. And, and what's your name? Kristen. So we have Kristen, Megan, and Abiku. Okay? You are three very different people. I'm assuming you guys don't all live in the same house, correct? I'm assuming you guys didn't all travel here tonight, correct? Okay, well, well um, Kristen, Megan, and Abiku, they're all here witnessing this exact same moment. All three of you were here during worship. You all experienced the same thing and saw the same thing. But each one of you has your own different and unique perspective because you're both different and unique, all three of you, right? This is the same thing that happens with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Like the fact that their stories are a little bit different isn't discouraging. It's actually super encouraging because it shows us that God can do one thing and meet and reach many different people in different ways. Like it's actually a really exciting thing. So I want to illustrate this to you tonight so that hopefully, just maybe, just maybe, oh please, Jesus, possibly, God would do something great in your heart today. So let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And in Matthew 8, 20, verse 23, we have Matthew's perspective of this story of Jesus calming the storm. So this is what Matthew says. Matthew says, verse 23, this is how he starts off his story. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Luke says, and this is Luke. If you're curious and you're taking notes, you want to follow with me. 
Matthew, Mark, Matthew, actually Mark's next, silly Adam, you know this. Oh, Adam, you skipped the wrong page. There we go. Oh, Adam, where'd it go? There it is. Mark says this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although there were other boats that followed. So Mark gives a little bit more detail than Matthew, but they're both saying the same thing. Luke tells us the same story with far less words and says the disciples, or says in verse 22 of Luke chapter 22, or chapter 8, verse 22 says, when day... Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into their boat and they started out. Now, at first glance, we just jump over that little verse all the time. And essentially all that's happening here is Jesus is telling his disciples to go across the lake. That doesn't sound all that exciting. But what's taking place here is actually extraordinarily important for us to understand. Because you see, what this illustrates is that it illustrates that this story is more about the journey than it is a destination. And we, we don't like to think like that. You see, that's not how we're raised. See, it's important because we're, we're kind of conditioned in our world to value the prize over the process. And that's, that's, that's just kind of how we think. I, I don't need four years of school. Give me my degree. I, I don't need to be single for a while. I like just just give me a ring. I, I don't I don't need to learn. Give me an opportunity to teach. I don't need to to to, to grind. I don't need to earn my keep. Just, just give me a raise, give me a title, give me what I want. I want I want the prize. I don't want the process. And this is kind of all of us. Like it's just, just how we're wired. Like, like give me the good stuff. I want heaven. Give me heaven. I don't want to have to walk this out. I was challenged with this thought while praying for you. What if the dream that God placed on your heart was as much about the process as it was about the actualization of that dream? Like, like is it possible that God's given you a dream and you've been waiting your whole life, waiting for that moment to come into fruition? It's almost as though you've put your expectations on hold, you've put your thoughts on hold, your dreams on hold, your present, if we're going to be super honest, your actual present day reality on hold because you've been living in the future. You've been living, waiting for that moment because once I become that person, then I will be who God's meant me to be. Once I become a pastor, a missionary, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, promoted, a teacher, whatever it is. Sometimes what happens in life is we say to ourselves, once I achieve that, then I will have value inadvertently, completely devaluing our everyday present day grind. And what I love about this picture, this this particular story, is that it doesn't start out as, this is when Jesus calmed the storm. This particular story actually started out with Jesus saying to his disciples, hey guys, let's go to the other side of the lake. This particular event happened on a normal, mundane, everyday day. And sometimes what happens in Christianity, and I don't know why it is that we do this, and we do this all the time. We just kind of assume that God works in moments, and he doesn't work through like like movement. 
It doesn't work through like day-to-day process. He just, just works and all of a sudden shows up and poof, poof. It's because we only remember those moments. But the truth is a lot of life goes on between those marks. And this is why this particular story starts off so interesting. Because it's kind of a plot twist. It's kind of a surprise. None of these guys were expecting the story of Jesus calming the storm. They just thought they were going to the other side of the lake. And so I don't know what your life looks like, but you found yourself here at this advance. And maybe it just feels like it's just another advance to you. Just another, another time where you set some moments out of your, uh, some time out of your schedule to, to, to be here, and, and you've done the right thing. Like you're here. You got here. Awesome. Awesome. We're here. But maybe God wants to surprise you this weekend. Maybe there's a plot twist getting, getting written without you even understanding it. Like, like, like maybe there's something bigger going on. So we go back to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew continues. He says, suddenly. So you've got to remember, there, there, there's drama. Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly. A fierce storm struck the lake. Waves were breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Of course he was. We look at Mark. Tells the same story. Different lens. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, but it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, which is an interesting detail for him to add in there. He's like, he just really wanted to make sure that we understood that Jesus was intentionally sleeping. Like, he wasn't just like kind of groggy, kind of dozing off. Like, he intentionally grabbed a cushion, and his head is on that cushion, and he is sleeping. Luke kicks in. But his story is just a little bit different. Starts off in verse 23. He says, as they sailed across, Jesus lied down for a nap. So Jesus slept first. But soon a fierce storm came. It came down on the lake. And the boat was filling with water. And they were in real danger. And I find it so fascinating to look at these stories from each vantage point. Because each person, depending on where they were sitting in that boat, saw and felt a different, different, different experience in terms of what was going on. But there were some commonalities And the commonalities are really important for us to understand. And the first one is this. Just because the storm surrounds you, it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't send you. Sometimes Jesus sends people into a storm. And that's not intuitive. Because that doesn't make sense to the the very peaceful, loving, kind Jesus we see in Sunday school. Because in Sunday school, we teach our kids palatable Christianity. We don't let our kids know how much life's going to suck sometimes. But the truth is, Christianity applies when life sucks too. And you're not a bad Christian if your life feels like it sucks. You're not a bad Christian if you find yourself in the middle of a storm. It doesn't mean that you didn't hear Jesus. 
Like, here's all these disciples. It was Jesus' idea to go to the other side of the lake. Jesus is the one that started this whole process. I mean, if we look at Mark's account, it wasn't just the disciples that went. There were also other boats that followed. Like, Jesus sent a whole bunch of people into a storm. And we tell ourselves, no, 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 storms are from the devil. We tell ourselves that storms are bad. Storms do suck. But there's actually a refining quality that happens sometimes in the storm. There are lessons that we can only learn through sadness and grief and pain and suffering. And I wish it wasn't like that. But this is the world that we live in. And what I love about Jesus is that he, 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 he equips us to actually live in this world. Storms are not a little subtle surprise where he's like, oh, shoot, I forgot those existed. But he's fully aware that those are here. So sometimes, first, or number two, if you're taking notes, just because the storm surrounds you doesn't mean that Jesus didn't send you. But not only was there a storm going on, all three people noted that Jesus was sleeping. And that's a very curious detail. Because just because the storm surrounds you, it doesn't mean that Jesus is worried about it. We might be. But Jesus isn't. And that's not intuitive. But I feel like some of you need to hear that tonight. Because it's so easy to think that the storm that you're in, because the storm is real. Like, like I'm not trying to downplay the emotions that these disciples were feeling. Like the disciples were freaking out. Like the, the water was coming over the boat. The boat was literally filling with water. And there's Jesus sleeping. Like, like, like the disciples are like, ah, oh, what are we going to do here? Like this is really, really, really bad. And your storm that you may be in now or the storm in the future that you may be facing one day, you need to understand that although it's chaos to you, it's not chaos to God. God is not like uh, um, so far removed that he can't do anything about it. It may be stressing you out, but it's not necessarily stressing him out. So you can take encouragement from that thought. Matthew goes into detail next. And we look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 25. It says, The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! Like, we're, like we're going to drown! And then they start panicking. And I can just picture them running back. Wake up! Wake up, Jesus! We're, like, we're, we're going to drown! Wake up! Wake up! Mark tells the same story. Mark highlights it a little different. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? That's very interesting. You have Matthew, who in this kind of panicked state, notes that everybody's trying to, trying, trying to wake Jesus up. Like, like, like wake up. Like, like, like we're, we're going to die, Jesus. We're going to die. Don't you know? Mark. He recognizes that this is bad news. And what he notes in this exact same story, is he, he notes that, that, that Jesus is sleeping. But his first thought is not, wake up! It's, do you even care? 
Like, you sent me here. Do you even care that we might die? And this is quite possibly one of the most honest, most human questions in the whole Bible. Because I've been there, and I'm sure you have too. Where you look at the hardship that happens, the, the, the suffering that happens, like the, 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 the surprise, horrible things that happen in life. And we look to God and we say, God, do you even care? And it's honest. And it's real. And it's a very, very good question. Luke pipes in. He, 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 he notes the same kind of thing, only a different vantage point. And it says in his gospel... The disciples woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Like, 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 like FYI. Like, if you're not aware of the current circumstance, Master. I just made Luke sound like a total nerd. <laughs> He's like, if you're not aware, Master, like, we're going to drown. I'm going to lose my pocket protector. Let me educate you about this. You're crazy. I need you to hear this piece this morning, this evening. The existence of the storm is not evidence of the absence of God. See, all three of these guys, all, all three of these people, they're all panicking. And they're all trying to wake Jesus up frantically. And they all have their own, their own concerns and their own, their own heart stuff going on. Just like us. We all have our own things, our own issues. We're all different. We're going through different stuff. But, but, but we experience things the same way to a degree. And I want to encourage you with this thought. The existence of that storm is not evidence of the absence of God. In fact, don't confuse God's perceived lack of concern as a lack of compassion. Because that's really easy to do. It's really easy to step back and say to yourself, how can this happen? Like, like Jesus, you sent me here. And everything is so hard. Do you even care? Jesus, you know the desires of my heart. You saved me. You set me free. Like, I, am, I, I know you and you know me. I am your daughter. But do you even care? I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. And I'm still sick. Where are you? Are you not aware of what's going on? And regardless of who you are, regardless of your story, regardless of your circumstance, we're humans and we have a heartbeat. We, we experience these same types of moments. And all these feelings don't make you a bad Christian. They make you human. And we feel guilt because we're scared, we feel guilt because we question, we feel guilt because we don't understand. It's not because you're a bad Christian. It's because you're human. 
And not everything makes sense to us as humans on this side of heaven. There are disconnects. There are, there are things that happen on this earth that just don't make sense. Don't confuse God's la- perceived lack of concern. Emphasis on the word perceived. Don't confuse his perceived lack of concern as a lack of compassion. And so these disciples, they, they all get into the boat. They all start traveling over. Jesus is sleeping. The storm starts happening. They all start panicking. They all wake up Jesus. What happens next is where the story gets fascinating. Because each of the three individuals describe this story so differently. In Matthew's gospel, this is what he says. Disciples are saying, we're going to drown. Verse 26, Jesus responds, why are you afraid? Like, what an answer. Water coming over the boat. Like, like water, like beginning to rise. Wind. I live by an ocean now. The ocean is loud. Waves are loud. The sound of the waves crashing against the side of the boat. How are you even sleeping, Jesus? Wake up. Do you not see what's going on? This is really bad. Jesus' first words as recorded by Matthew, why are you afraid? Second question or statement, you have so little faith. Then he gets up. He rebukes the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed, he says. Who is this man, they ask? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And I find it so fascinating, the, the, the question that Matthew notices is that Jesus asks the question, why are you afraid of the storm? Do you not know who I am? And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your story is. But my question for you tonight is, why, why, why are you afraid of the storm? What is it that makes you so scared? Jesus is in the boat. Mark, though, totally different angle. And this is so exciting. Like, like these guys are in the same boat. This is the same story, the same thing. But Mark notices something different. And this is how Mark tells the story. This is what happened from his vantage point, from his perspective. The disciples wake up Jesus. They're shouting, teacher, don't you care? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. Silence. Be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was this great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. (laughs) Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, if you read that really fast, it seems like they're telling the exact same story. But I want you to notice something really interesting. I want you to notice the question that Jesus asks. He says, after he calms the storm, 
So the storm has died down. It's calm. Silence. Be still. The boat's no longer sinking. There's no longer any fear of dying. Calm. A miracle just took place right in front of their very eyes. And then Jesus asks, why are you afraid? He didn't say, why were you afraid? Why were you afraid when the wind and the waves were happening? Like, don't you realize I'm in the boat? Like, why were you afraid of the storm? Don't you realize I'm bigger than the storm? He's not asking that question, why are you afraid of the storm? He's saying, why are you afraid of me? Which is really interesting. Because that's not as intuitive. But that is very real. Very real when we look at our own lives and how we function. And if we begin to really just grasp for a moment and just think about how big God is. Like these guys, for the first time, like they'd seen Jesus do miracles up until this point. They'd seen Jesus heal people. They'd seen Jesus um, um, cast out demons. They'd seen Jesus preach. They'd heard his wisdom. But this is a whole level of, of authority. He just looks out at the storm. and says, silence, be still. Silence. Shh. And the disciples are thinking to themselves, who is in this boat? There's this, this, this reverence. There's this epiphany moment where all of a sudden they realize, whoa, you are God. Like this is really, really, really real. Like, 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 like how did this just happen? I, I can't make sense of this. And oftentimes that happens with us. We see God do something and we say to ourselves, I, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. God, I, I don't know. And there's this peace I just feel like God's saying to some of you tonight, why are you afraid of me? Why are you afraid of what God's going to do or wants to do in your life? Do you not realize who he is? And there's Luke. Same story, same scenario, different vantage point. Only, only Luke, he doesn't touch on fear, which is really interesting because that's what the first two guys noticed. But this is how Luke tells the story. The disciples went and they woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're, we're, we're going to drown. And verse 25, or, or the end of verse 24 rather. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and it was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. This, 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 this mixed emotion. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Where is your faith, he asks. Which is a very interesting thing to ask. The other two guys noticed how, how afraid people were. And they noticed, they, they, they said, I, I, I heard Jesus say... Talking about fear. But here Luke just mentions faith. Where is your faith? When storms come, is your faith in Jesus or is your faith in your ability to avoid the storm? 
when storms come, is your faith in Jesus or is your faith in the structural integrity of your boat? The structural integrity of your, of your church, your, your, your friend circle, your, your, your community, the, the, the people who surround you. Is your faith in Jesus or is your faith in them? Like, like this isn't, I'm not trying to say that church things, boats, any of that stuff is bad. But I am saying that it is fascinating that Jesus asked these disciples, where is your faith? Is your faith in Jesus when the storms come or is your faith in your ability to wake him up? And all of a sudden a storm comes and you're rattled because, wait, 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 wait. My faith was actually in my ability to avoid the storms. Therefore, I don't know what is even going on right now. I don't even know if I'm saved. Or all of a sudden a storm comes and life happens. And all of a sudden, like, like your church community or, or your friend community or, or relationships, and then something happens, something's arise, something's amiss. And so you start telling yourself, I'm not even sure this whole Christian thing's for me. Because my, my faith is so wound up in my community. My faith is so wound up in, in resurgence, if we're going to be honest. My, my faith is so wound up in a system or a structure or in, in the way I do my Christianese. And it's somehow subtly not been in Jesus anymore. So we'll close with this. Maybe Karis will invite you back now. To the Matthews in this room, I believe the Holy Spirit's asking you tonight, why are you afraid of the storm? To the marks in this room, I believe the Holy Spirit's asking tonight, why are you afraid of me? To the Lukes in this room, I believe the Holy Spirit's asking tonight, where is your faith? You see, I just find it so fascinating that here we have a story of one collective moment. But we have three very different individual responses to this very same thing. One thing happens. Many people have a different experience. And I can't help but notice the parallels tonight. We're here. We're all at the same retreat. We've all given the same 48 hours to the Lord. We've all set up our schedules to, to be here in this moment. We all experienced worship. And now we're all here in the same sermon. And I am sure and certain that the Holy Spirit is speaking to each and every one in this room differently. And that's actually a really beautiful thing. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet now. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you, I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to encourage you to all do the same thing. Let's try and ignore everybody else around us. And let's try to just assume for a moment that God set it up for us to be here today. 
And my prayer for you this weekend is that you would encounter God. But not encounter God like the person beside you. Because you see, God knit you uniquely. And God is doing something in your life that is different than the thing he's doing in the person beside you's life. You don't earn a gold star for worshiping like the guy to your left. You don't earn a gold star for, for becoming like somebody else. God wants to speak to you individually where you're at. So this is your moment between you and God. Things will look different tomorrow night. Things will look different on Sunday morning. But right now, this is between you and the Lord. Is there a storm? What are you scared of? Spend some time tonight telling God, bringing it to the Lord. Are you scared of God? Are you scared of this moment? Are you scared God's not going to talk to you? Are you scared God's avoiding you? Maybe you're afraid that God's sleeping, that he's uninterested, that he's not concerned, that he just sees you doing your thing and he's distant off doing something else. Friend, reach out to God tonight. We're all Christians in this room. But what does Christian even mean these days? Is your faith in Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Like, like have you recognized the fact that without God, you can't actually do this Christian thing? Without Jesus, without what Jesus did on the cross, you will never find freedom? You will never find freedom from, from pornography or, or, or any kind of addiction or any kind of bondage or every, any kind of hurt, any kind of lie. It all comes from the blood of Jesus. And if your personal relationship with Jesus is out of whack or not in order, tonight is your moment to get it right with him. You've done the right thing. You've got here. But getting here is the easy part. The life change that you're desiring, that you want, will only happen through ownership and vulnerability. And so let's close our eyes together. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that you've drew, you, you've drawn each and every one of us here this weekend. And Father God, I pray that in this moment, from this moment onwards, God, that there would be a honesty in this place. God, I pray that you would break down walls. I pray that you would take off masks, God. That we can be vulnerable and honest with you. Because God, we want a breakthrough, Lord. I'm tired of doing the same things I always do. I'm tired of chasing yesterday's blessing. I'm tired of desiring to be the man I used to be. God, I want to be something new made new in you. So Father God, we give you this moment. And Holy Spirit, I ask for you to speak. So we're going to spend some time in worship and prayer. And maybe, maybe you wanted to come forward and spend some time with God here. Maybe you wanted to spread out a little bit. Maybe you just wanted to sit. But this is your moment between you and God. And I encourage you to ask hard questions. Like just bring those things to God. Your hurts, your pain, your insecurities, your doubts, your fears, like this is your moment. 
There's no safer place, no better spot than right now. Lord, speak to us. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.